Welcome back to my library for another installment of Storytime with Silas. Please don't dally on the threshold. There's a distinct chill in the air. The night draws in so early now. The shadows lengthen like the claws of some monstrous feline on the prowl. Morbidity hangs in the air. Life growing ever more dormant as the cold seeps into the very bones of the earth. So... Better to abandon the door present and step into an uncertain future? I should say so. I've just stoked the fire and you're letting all the warm air out. But therein lies a question. Am I to be trusted? Is this open door an invitation or a trap? Perhaps a more pertinent question for tonight's tale would be, is a closed door a barrier or a challenge? The Door by Tanya Schofield Persephone I saw the door again tonight. I write you this letter each time it appears in case this is to be the last time I go through it. Go through it I must, I am afraid. Yes, I am afraid. Is it strange to think of your father, the man whose fame was born writing horror novels, being afraid? Do you wonder why I never answer the interview question about where my ideas come from? Do you wonder why I've asked you not to read my books? I don't blame you for keeping your distance these past few years. Has it only been years? My habits are strange, stranger than any nanny or tutor could shield you from. I didn't send you to boarding school to be rid of you, as you must surely believe. I thought only to protect you. Knowing what I know, could I bear the thought of the door appearing to you? again. I truly feel that this letter will reach you, unlike the others. I've written so many and burned each of them when I returned, one for each novel I've written nearly. I've had an eternity to plan what to say, and yet the sight of the door has struck all clear thought from my pen this time. I have only my heart, ancient and sad, which I will lay bare to you in the hopes that you will forgive me when the door comes for you, if it comes. I was but twenty years old the first time. I was renting a room, you could still do that in those days. I would work at the butcher's every day and then come home and write until my eyes ached. Every night I begged in the darkness to be the best writer, to be successful beyond my wildest dreams. Call it prayer if you will, but young as I was, I never cared who or what might hear me. I only swore I would put in the work, whatever it took. I just wanted to tell stories that people would buy and read and talk about. I wanted to smell of ink instead of blood, to write in a study instead of an attic. Ugh. The door was there on my way back from the washroom one night. There I stood, wearing only a towel around my waist, standing dumbstruck in the hallway. Instead of the portrait of Mrs. Wallace's late husband, there was a solid tangible, real door. Of course I went through it. Adventure knocks even less frequently than opportunity. Would I have changed anything if I knew? I might have worn trousers for one. <laughs> no. It was better to be birthed into that first nightmare. Naked and afraid wouldn't have been a best-selling novel had anything been different. It was all true, Persephone. I pray you've honored my wishes and never read it, or any of those cursed books. 
I wish for you ignorance when I tell you that I have lived as many lifetimes as I have written novels. I would hope to keep you far from the horror when I tell you that some remain unpublished, too gruesome for even my brand. Yet, I lived them just the same. It cannot be, you will say. I sent you a 61st birthday card just last month, and your interview with Rolling Stone magazine marking your 50th book was released yesterday. Surely you aren't like Bilbo Baggins hiding 111 years behind your pipe. No, precious girl, for each of Bilbo's years lasted only a single year. With the doll that appeared to me in that boarding house hallway and has beckoned to me countless times since I squeezed a lifetime between two beats of a heart or the momentary blindness of a blink. Of course, it is impossible. Of course, no one could have lived through any of my books, let alone all of them. If you think I am a foolish old man, you are exactly right. Only a fool would have gone through a second time. Try to understand my experience of that first journey. The first moment when I opened my eyes after the icy cold shock of stepping through. I was in another hallway, in another house. The wallpaper was wrong and the smell of blood. Can you imagine me hearing footsteps coming up the stairs and my heart pounding so loud I felt sure it could be heard on the street? If it were you who turned to go back, what would you do when you found not a door or a portrait, but a faded, spotted mirror? Everything was wrong, so desperately wrong, but I had no choice. It took me years to stop returning to that house, looking for a way back. Yes, years. The main character in that first novel, the one I wrote in such a frenzy, he was me. The things he encountered in the shadows were real things. The panic he felt was mine. Worse, though, was how quickly he, I, became accustomed to it all. That is the true horror, Persephone. That is the real reason people are drawn to the stories I tell. No matter how terrible, how unbearable, or how violent or lonely the circumstance, it can be endured. Is the endurance the measure of a man's humanity? or proof of his monstrosity. Ravings, you will think. My butler should have alerted someone to my declining mental state. Not you, of course, but someone. Alas, I was, and remain, unforgivably sane. Sane I will be when I put down my pen and seal this envelope with twine and wax, and sane I will be when I return to the door that doesn't belong in the hallway between your bedroom and mine. I will be in control of all of my faculties when I turn the knob and step through. Perhaps I will return a lifetime later with my hands still on the knob. Perhaps I will stumble, weeping, back to the study to burn this letter. I am ever more certain that it will not be so, but for your sake I will tuck a fragment of hope away in my heart. There is only one way to come home from wherever the door chooses to bring me, and if you suspected me addled before, you will be certain of it now. I have to die. How can I expect that you will believe me when I tell you that I have experienced death more times than I can count? More than fifty, certainly, but perhaps less than two thousand. Of course you will assume this is nothing more than vivid dreams and active imagination. All writers have that, do they not? 
To you, it will make perfect sense. The source of inspiration for my novels is nothing more than nightmares, and what I imagine to be death is nothing more than waking. I wish that were true, Persephone, more than you ever know. What proof can I provide a mind as rational as yours? Uh, Your flights of fancy ended much too early, which is no one's fault but my own. I, I wonder if you remember any of it. We were partners in absurdity, you and I, from the very first. Piggybacks and princess parties and stargazing and every possible adventure we could dream up together. We made them all happen. I wish those adventures could have continued forever. They made the trips through the door and back worthwhile. How could I have kept going? Especially once you were in my life, wrapped so firmly around my heart. How could I risk each journey being the one from which I didn't return? I made certain you would never ask that question. Was that out of shame, I wonder, or fear? I thought I understood fear by the time you came along. I had already lived at least five lifetimes steeped in different kinds of terror, but you... I only truly grasped fear when you came to me and described the door from your dream. It was in the hallway, you said, and it didn't look like the others. This one was painted all over with cats and rabbits in pastel colors, and it had a shiny glass knob that threw rainbows on the floor by your feet, even though it was dark. You told me you could smell cotton candy, but when you got closer to the door, it smelled different, like dirt or milk gone wrong. And wasn't that a silly dream? Silly, I agreed. But it wasn't. It was the most frightening thing I had ever heard, and I decided in that moment that I was done with the door forever. The books were already doing better than I could have hoped. You and I had a comfortable life together. Surely there was no need for me to keep going. The door came for me that very night. We had read an extra chapter before I tucked you in, and the scent of your baby shampoo was still on my lips from when I kissed your forehead. I stood in the hallway for what felt like a year, counting my heartbeats. I had never not gone through when it appeared, even after I began to suspect what was on the other side. But what if I couldn't get back? Who would care for you? Who could care for you? Who could actually protect you from cotton candy that was actually dirt? I turned my back on the door. The next morning, after you had gone to school, I called my lawyer. I wanted to set up a trust fund for you and put some other protections into place, but the call didn't go through, at least not to my lawyer. I told you at the beginning of this letter how desperately I wanted to be a successful writer, how I would lay awake in Mrs. Wallace's attic and beg for the chance to build a career with my words. I told you how every night I would beseech anyone who might be listening that I would sacrifice anything, pay any price, put in whatever work was required, I was destined to tell stories. I was certain of it. The day I called my lawyer was the day I found out who had been listening. I should have realized the first time I went through the door I had not been blessed with success. What blessing could there be in spending a lifetime of horror in no more time than it took me to blink, or the reliving of that life as I put it to paper? I thought you were a blessing once. A shining beacon of good in that endless cycle of fear and hollow success that cost far too much than I could continue to pay. But it was not God who ensured I would write such successful books of horror. No God who allowed me to come home to something so pure and good. Never doubt my love for you, Persephone. I beg you. I regret not a single moment of our time together. Not a single choice I made to protect you. But the devil, I've learned, 
gives us our greatest gifts to ensure we have something to lose. I renewed my bargain that day. Success was redefined to include your safety, and I would never again refuse a door, a story, and I haven't. I have turned all the horrors of hell into irresistible tales that people can't wait to consume. (laughs) I've taken their money, and perhaps I've damned their souls along with my own. But I have kept my end of the bargain. He can't deny that. He will give me the real death this time. I could feel it. Don't worry. I made the arrangements with my lawyer years ago. My fortune, however it'll gained, is yours now. There is one final truth I have kept from you, Persephone. A truth that I've never revealed, even in my previous letters. Perhaps by now you suspect... Perhaps you hesitate to even think the question or allow for the possibility. You are so smart, so quick. So different from others your age, it was difficult for you to be among them and not feel as one of them. But I couldn't tell you why. You assumed it was because you were adopted, and I am ashamed to say I encourage that belief to make growing up easier for you. But, Persephone, you are not adopted. You are my daughter, through and through. Your mother... It would be easier, perhaps, to say she had died. This will be my final journey through the door, though, so the time for pretending any of this is easy is over. Your mother, Sarah was her name, I met her on the other side of the door. I spent that lifetime in a brutally cold, post-apocalyptic landscape, competing for what food there was with other survivors and the beasts that lurked under the snow. Every moment was painful. The air burned in my lungs and the cold sank to my bones and turned each step into a jaw. But Sarah was my spot of warmth. A safe place to lay my heart and she had a stubborn streak the likes of which I've only ever seen in you. We didn't know you were coming until you were almost born. The radiation had rendered everyone sterile, or so we thought. She tried to be quiet as you arrived. She was so brave. But the beasts were drawn to the blood of your birth. There were so many of them, Persephone. I shot one and two more took its place. They were hungry and fast, but there was no way I would let them get to you. I tucked you in my coat and curled around Sarah, whose grip on me kept her pressed against you. The beast devoured us, of course. I died that day in the arms of the woman I loved, protecting the first new life that world had seen since the consequences of the war had spread death on the other side of the door is always brutal. I won't describe it. But I will say that when I came back to myself with my hand on the doorknob, I didn't expect to hear a squalling infant. Our desire to keep you safe was so enormous that it transcended the fate to which I am bound and brought you back with me. You were so small, so new, so impossible. My lawyer handled everything. It's truly astonishing what money can buy. My publicist announced the adoption. There was a photo shoot. Some people were confused and happy about my decision to bring a child into my single bachelor home. (laughs) The only question the fans had was, would I go soft? Stop writing the gruesome, horrific tales they lined up to buy. (laughs) Will the door come for you when I'm gone? Will it be your door? bringing you back to the world you escaped. I don't know. (laughs) 
I hope not. I pray that you can stay here. Live the life you've built. Find love and happiness and success without bargains. I love you, my precious daughter. I love you too, Dad. Strangely enough, I felt an uncanny kinship with the protagonist of tonight's tale. I, too, am a writer of um, <laughs> advanced maturity and have been known to enter into somewhat unconventional contract arrangements, though I find that the trick is to keep one's fingers crossed behind one's back when making any promises. As of yet, the only spooky doors I regularly encounter is the shade of Jim Morrison. He likes to pop in from time to time. In fact, I think I hear Mr. Mojo rising from the grave as we speak, so I'm afraid we will have to catch up again next time. Good night. Storytime with Silas is a part of the Majestic Goose Network. If you want to help support the network, you can head over to patreon.com slash majesticgoose or by checking out all the other shows on the network, following us on all social media, including on Twitch, or joining our Discord at bit.ly slash halfway to Discord. All of these links are in the show notes below. Majestic Goose Podcast. Honk.